Welcome, folks, to the Agree to Disagree podcast with Phil and Ethan. This is the premiere episode. It's going to be a weekly podcast that we do now through Election Day, and our focus will be on everything hot in Maine politics. Did you just call me hot? Hey, well, you know, buddy, you're the most handsome Republican I know. Do you actually know any other Republicans? Mm, good point. <laughs> in all seriousness, our new podcast will come out every Thursday right here at NewCenterMaine.com. Each week, we will give you an inside look at what is happening in Maine politics and what a year to be getting started. Indeed. Uh, we have the U.S. Senate race where Susan Collins is in the fight of her life. And we have Republicans who are desperate to try to keep Jared Golden from uh, becoming a two-term congressman up in the second CD. Not to mention Trump and Biden are scrapping for all four main electoral votes and both parties, as always, are vying for control of the state house. Yeah, that's a race that you and I uh, have experienced many times. Indeed. Uh, each week we will open up with your mentor, Nancy Pelosi, bringing us to order. As Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate. Then we will debate three to four topics for three minutes each or until Ethan cries for mercy. <laughs> yeah, at which point, Schoolsy will be woke. Uh, sorry, Phil will be woken up by our producer, Schoolsy, with this sound. After that, we'll usually jump into some kind of lightning round. Sometimes we'll play Love It or Hate It or Wake Me Up When It's Over, as we will this week. Other weeks, we might play smart or not smart, or we may come up with winners and losers of the week, or we may throw in some predictions, whatever feels like, uh, whatever feels right that week. And finally, because this is Maine's bicentennial year, uh, that's 200 years, Ethan, we plan to end each show with a trivia question related to Maine political history. Yeah, you mean like, uh, I got a good one. How about, uh, did Senator Harriman serve in both the administrations of Governor Personal, Percival Baxter and James Finney Baxter, or was it one and then the other? <laughs> More like true or false, Mayor Strim sponsored a bill once to annex the New Hampshire toll booth so he could get more revenue for government programs. True, and it was a damn good idea if I may say so myself. Okay, time to get starting with the debates. Uh, by the way, do we need to introduce ourselves? <laughs> you know what? That's probably a good idea. Uh, let's do that real quick. For those who don't know, that guy over there on, on let's see, on my left, maybe you're right, but definitely more conservative than me. Uh, he is uh, my buddy, Phil Harriman. He's been in elected, for, elected office for 13 years, first as a town councilor for the thriving metropolis of downtown Yarmouth, and then as a state senator. He founded a financial services firm called LaBelle and Harriman, he always wears a pocket square, and I think he's got about 27 grandchildren the last I checked. <laughs> well, actually, it's five, but it, it sometimes feels like 27. And let me introduce my friend, Ethan. He ran a social services agency for 10 years called Learning Works before serving 10 years in elected office, first as a state senator and most recently as the mayor of Maine's largest city. Regretfully, he's also a Mets fan. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Let me show you this. Huh? Put that right here, buddy. Ah. I don't know if we're going to get a baseball season this year, but that's uh, probably if we don't have it, it's better for me as a Mets, Mets fan. Yes. So, All right. Shall we start the first debate? 
As Speaker of the House, I solemnly and sadly open the debate. All right. So our first conversation is going to be who will win the Republican primary for Congress in the second CD. This Tuesday, as we know, there will be a Republican primary for the second CD between Eric Brakey, Adrian Bennett, and Dale Crafts. Eric was the youngest state senator in the country. Adrian was Governor LePage's press secretary, and Dale is a successful businessman. So, Phil, on Tuesday, who will win the Republican primary for Congress in the second CD and why? My, uh, my prediction is that Dale Crafts uh, is going to win that election. I say that because he has a, a pretty broad experience with working as a legislator. He's been a successful small businessman. His personal story of uh, becoming a paraplegic and using a wheelchair, I think, resonates across the entire voter spectrum. I also think that uh, Eric Brakey, while he does have a pretty impressive legislative legacy that was many years ago now, and I'm, I'm curious to see how deep and wide his uh, grassroots network is from his uh, unsuccessful race against U.S. Senator uh, Angus King. And finally, Adrian Bennett, who was Governor LePage's press secretary, has really impressed me with the ability that she has demonstrated to handle any topic uh, gracefully and with uh, commitment. And also, she has managed through uh, primarily social media to make a lot of contacts around the second congressional district. But in the end, I predict it's going to be Dale Crafts. You know, I, I actually think it's going to be Adrian Bennett. I mean, yours is a pretty bold pick. Dale Crafts kind of you know, not somebody who was very well known, really just somebody who was up in the legislature, certainly a businessman, overcame something uh, remarkable. The accident back when he was 20, in his 20s, put him in that wheelchair. But I think Adrienne Bennett kind of has this, um, you know, she's got the name recognition. She has a real connection to Governor LePage. You know, by the way, what's going on with the loyalty from Governor LePage? I mean, this woman served him for eight years just couldn't have been a stronger ally. And for him to walk away from her, that boy, that must have stung, I would imagine. Uh, Eric Brakey's the interesting story here. He's kind of the one that went in as the front runner, but he's really faded back, I, I feel like. Um, although I would say that he might come in first on the first ballot, but I think once you start uh, counting in the ranked choice voting, uh, Adrian is gonna be the one to bring it through. You know, She's got kind of the conservative credentials that I think Republicans like. And look, honestly, you know, Republicans in some ways have been better than Democrats at nominating women for uh, congressional seats. You've certainly had more than we have. Well, you you neutralized yourself. First, you took us to ranked choice voting, which Republicans just detest. And then you wrapped it up with the compliment to uh, Adrian Bennett. So I'll give you a, a, a neutral on that. At the end of the day, I think it's very telling that Governor LePage still has, particularly amongst the party faithful who actually go and vote in primary elections, he has put his support behind Dale Crafts. I think that matters. And just Thursday uh, mid-afternoon, Ann LePage has come out and endorsed Dale Crafts. I think those two endorsements matter in the Republican faithful party uh, infrastructure, and I think that's going to help carry Dale Crafts to victory. The thing that I'm hoping for more than anything, no matter who wins it, I just want whoever comes in second on the first ballot to ultimately come in first so the Republicans can just eat each other to death for a while fighting over who actually won because I know how much you guys hate ranked choice voting and then to have it uh, just have this inter whatever you call it you know your party just tearing each other apart over who actually won it so uh, that's what I'm hoping for. 
Okay, let's move on. Topic number two. This Tuesday, there will be a Democratic primary for the opportunity to take on Susan Collins for the U.S. Senate. Former Speaker of the House Sarah Gideon is the presumptive favorite, but she's being challenged by the upstart campaign of progressive activist Betsy Sweet. And while a third uh, candidate, while little known, Bree Kidman is still on the ballot, she's not campaigning. So, Ethan, on Tuesday, will Sarah Gideon hold on to win the seat to challenge Susan Collins, or will Betsy Sweet pull an upset surprise? You're not even putting Bree Kidman in there as a possible upset surprise? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, uh, you know, sadly, I don't. I should disclose Betsy Sweet's a very good friend of mine, like a sister to me. I've given to her campaign, uh, but I don't think she's going to be able to um, win this one. I think Sarah Gideon will win it pretty strongly. You know, she's really had the backing of a lot of the establishment. She's raised an unbelievable amount of money. Uh, you know, she is just in a position here that we've certainly never seen in a primary. She's raising more money than at this point already than I think any ultimate nominee has raised, even I think more than any incumbent has raised. So she's put herself in a very strong position, been on TV for eight months now, nine months. Uh, I think she's gonna win pretty strongly on election day. But look, Betsy has run a really good campaign. She's been out there pushing issues that I think matter uh, tremendously to Maine voters, especially Democrats, Medicare for all, Green New Deal. Uh, she just really hasn't had the money behind her to be able to uh, get that message out deeply enough uh, in order to pull an upset on election day. Well, I, like you, I, too, uh, have a lot of respect for Betsy Sweet. When I was in the state Senate, she was working as a lobbyist for various causes that you mentioned. And she's always been a consummate professional, well-spoken. And, and even though our party affiliations are very different, she was an easy person to like. And I do think that will uh, connect with voters. But this isn't going to be even close, Eason. The national money and the Senate leadership in Washington has already adopted or anointed, if you will, Sarah Gideon, and they've put the resources behind it. And uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to be uh, an, up, uh, uh, an uphill climb that will be successful for Betsy Sweet. Yeah, I, I think you're I do think you're right about that. I, look, I think it's going to be I, I don't think it'll be a total bloodshed out there. I think it'll be 60, 35, 5, something like that, which, of course, is a pretty big victory. Um, you know, she's Sarah Gideon has been polling more than 50 points ahead. So I don't think she's going to get 50 points ahead, maybe more like 20 to 25. But she'll come out of this with a pretty strong victory in her hands and um Hopefully after that, the party will unite, which I think they will, as we begin the process of taking on Susan Collins and seeing if uh, she can be unseated for the first time in over 20 years. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how that race unfolds. Uh, Sarah Gideon is positioning herself to be, you know, the local uh, candidate who was uh, representing Main Street and trying to portray Susan Collins as having, um, you know, been bought by the special interest groups. But the fact is, that these very same special interest groups in Washington are uh, pouring millions of dollars into this because this is really, unfortunately, not a Maine election. This is a national election. Maine is a place where you can come and try to influence just 1.3 million people. The media market is relatively inexpensive compared to other places across the country. It's going to be very interesting to see how Sarah Gideon maintains that persona that she's put out there thus far. 
Yep, I think you're right on that. Um, and we'll get into that uh, probably at our next podcast. All right, our third last topic today, uh, another much less notice election will be happening in Portland this Tuesday. It's an election, however, that could have a profound effect on our largest city's future. It's a referendum on whether or not to reopen the city charter. This would give Portland a chance to revisit the elected mayor and fix any problems that have existed in its first 10 years. Phil, should the city reopen its charter? And if so, do you think that they will do it? Yes, they should. And I predict that they will overturn the current city charter. You mentioned uh, 10 years ago, it seems like a blinding glimpse of the obvious today, Ethan, that that special commission that was formed to create the charter that actually passed left this uh, ambiguity between who actually sets policy, strategy, budget, and executes them. Is it the city manager or the mayor? And I think uh, that's where the opportunity is for Portland to make it clear who actually is in charge of making the decisions that run the city. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I think you're right. I'm not sure if this will pass. Uh, certainly, you know, I've got a lot of personal experience with this one and the way the charter was written 10 years ago. It's just not meeting the expectations of the people of the city. Um, you know, we went through two mayors in the first three mayors, sorry, in our first three elections trying to figure out how to make this thing work. The balance is off. Uh, you really just like you said, you need to have one person in charge and everybody expects that person to be the mayor and to not have that system. And, you know, the system was put in place over 100 years ago. Uh, honestly, it was endorsed by the KKK back then because they were trying to block democracy from um, being handed over to immigrants, Irish Catholics at that time, uh, which the KKK was fighting so hard against and created this kind of much more exclusive government. So uh, I think, you know, the Charter Commission, they, they tried, but they made a bit of a mess of it. It's a classic example of when you've got people on Charter Commission who are don't want to have any elected mayor and people who do cutting the baby in half instead of simply putting in place the elected mayor that people really wanted to have. So, so it's uh, unfortunate, but you think it's going to pass? I, I do. I think there's enough uh, frustration with how the city has had to wrestle with um, the executive authority of the city. Uh, as you probably can um, relate to it, it created frustration between the mayor and the city manager it created even more frustration amongst city councilors. Uh, this is an important issue for the city to straighten out and decide once and for all who's in charge. Yeah, I, I'm less optimistic than you. I, I think it, um, it sort of, it became an issue that people became aware of around the Black Lives Matter movement. They endorsed it, as did a bunch of progressive groups in town, but I, some of that I think came a little bit late. Um, so I'm not so sure if I had to put, you know, if I had to put a nickel down on it, I'd say uh, it'd probably lose by five or 10 points. But I hope you're right, because uh, certainly the city of Portland deserves to have a much clearer charter. So our leadership is clear going forward. You would. OK, Strim, let's play a round of love it, hate it or wake me up when it's over. We'll each throw out a few hot topics and the other person will respond with love it, hate it, or wake me up and it's over. All right, let's do it. Here's the first one. You ready? Yeah. Janet Mills now allowing Mets fans from New York into Maine, but not Red Sox fans from Massachusetts. Strim, love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's over. Love it, both because who wants more folks from Massachusetts up here? We already got too many, right? And I also love it because actually I got a little personal connection. My father is coming up. He's from New York. 
So I'm very glad that Janet's allowing him to come up, but he's getting a test. He's going to make sure he's safe. So uh, I think that uh, Janet did the right thing here. Take your time, get it right. Wait a minute, Phil, you got to give me a love or hate it on that one. Oh, I'm so sorry. I, I didn't know this was my opportunity. Well, I, I'm going to take the opportunity to fill up my point of view, which is I hate it. I think it has put such a uh, crippling effect on Maine's economy, particularly the tourist industry at this time of the year when we have so many opportunities to bring in uh, sales tax revenue and gasoline tax revenue from people who are going to go home and not need our, our services. And if you've been following the protocols as outlined by the Center for Disease Control across the country, social distancing, washing, and all the rest of it. Why does it matter where you physically live now? If you want to come here and abide by the rules, we should have you here. All right. All right, Phil. Next one. Love it, hate it, or wake me when it's over. Sarah Gideon outraised Susan Collins $8 million to $3 million in the last quarter. I... Hate it. I think this is just a precursor of all of the money that's being uh, coagulated around the country through the Washington, D.C. establishment, where it's about their party first, their elections second, and maybe our country third. Let's remember, this is a long way to go before November. Susan Collins is a very skilled politician, a skilled legislator, and I think that when you put together all of the money that has been raised from the start of the campaign to today, that disparity that you mentioned is not that different. And Susan Collins uh, is going to be suited up and ready for victory. Just real quick on that one. I'm like, wake me up when it's over. You know what? I mean, there's so much money coming in. Only the insiders in the campaigns are looking at the, both of these candidates will have all the money they need, super PACs, everything coming in. Uh, look, I, I abhor the big money in politics as much as the next one, but uh, you know what? Wake me up when it's over. Let's talk issues. Okay, Strim. Portland has banned the school resource officers from their high schools. Mr. Mayor, love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's over? Uh, this one I love. This is a good move, an important step. Take those resources, get them into the classroom. Try to make sure that uh, we got social workers in the schools. We didn't need the police officers in there. This is a vestige of the past, uh, but I'm I'm glad that this happened. So this one, I love it. I hate it. I tell you this, this was an idea born out of the education community, whether it was the superintendent or the school board, they uh, invited the school resource officer in and now they're using the, the men and women in blue as part of the problem in America's, America's schools. I think this is unfair to the law enforcement community. And I think the, the schools are gonna wish they had made the decision to keep them. All right, Phil, Maine State Police are gathering publicly available data on Mainers. Phil, do you love it? Do you hate it? Or wake me when it's over. I really hate this one. I think the thought of the state police in a position where in some you know, undisclosed location, they're gathering information on people and using algorithms to determine who to focus on or, or what uh, uh, areas of the state to uh, pay attention to over others. I, I think this is an infringement on our, uh, our right to privacy, and it's not the type of label that should be put on the state police. 
Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, I don't like it at all. I'm glad the legislature in a bipartisan way is really looking hard at this. Democrats being willing to call a Democratic administration to the table. Republicans uh, equally concerned about privacy rights. I'm glad to see folks coming together on this one. So I hate it, too. Hey, last one. You ready? Mayor Trump says her uncle Trump paid someone to take his SATs. You love it, hate it, or wake me up when it's over. Well, look, you know, I wish I could have paid somebody to take my SATs. Literally, I think, Phil, my combined score on the SATs was 940. I think I got like a 510 on one and like a 420 on the other or something. It was just pathetic. Uh, I was not the uh, SAT test-taking kind of student. But uh, other than that, wake me up when it's over. Well, I thought this was about agree to disagree. I, this is another one we agree on. Wake me up when it's over. Who cares what uh, his test scores were, what is it, 50 years ago now? It's a big yawn for me. All right, so that's our debate on topics. As mentioned earlier, this is Maine's bicentennial, and as you educated me, that is 200 years. Uh, 200 years ago, we started this crazy experiment called Life is Good Here, and in honor of our state's birthday, we are going to ask a Maine political trivia question each week, and then we will give the answer next week. So you ready for the question? I am. What is it? In the past eight decades, there have been only six years in which we have had no female member of Congress. Can you name the women who have served and can you name the six years that it was all men? Oh, 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 and as a hint, can I mention the party that a majority of those women belong to? <laughs> yes, you can. Sad to say, it has been the grand old party in Maine that broke the uh, glass ceiling before and more often than my beloved Democrats. But the answer to those, who those folks are and uh, what those six years were will come next week. Okay, my brother from another mother, I think it's time to wrap up week one. Tell us, Donald, how'd we do? Your fake news. Don't be rude. <laughs> Uh, see, you, see you next week, folks, on NewCenterMaine.com. You too, Phil. Have a great one. The clock has run out. The buzzer is sounding. <laughs> see you, Phil. All right. All the best.